Welcome to Cloudlandia, Mr. Sullivan. Mr. Jackson, <clears throat> I was the Welcome. first one on the. I was the first one on the call. I, uh, I t- somebody told me that a voice came on said uh, you are the first person on this call. Wow! And look at we're both uh, slightly early. Early. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's early. funny, isn't it? It shows. I was uh, thinking about. Yeah. Uh, tell you why I bring this up. That uh, you know, a um, long time ago, and we've called it various things, <clears throat> but I called it the referability habits, and now I think it's more like credibility habits. And uh, these are just five things, four things, and I've added a fifth, four things that I think um, um, just facilitate cooperation and collaboration in the mainland but i think it's even they have even added value in the <clears throat> in cloudlandia and they the four are just show up on time number one number one mm-hmm. just show up on time number two uh, uh <clears throat> um you know do what you uh, say you're going to do, do do what you say you're going to do uh finish what you start say please and thank you and i added a mm-hmm. I added a fifth one basically because uh, I was noticing that some people were not understanding or comprehending how they were showing up uh, when they mm-hmm. were on Zoom. And I call it uh, be appropriate. Hmm. Okay. In other words, whatever the context is, uh, be appropriate. If it's informal, be appropriately informal. If it's formal, be appropriately formal. And uh, it was funny because we just went through and completed a long legal process, and we had a mediation on one day to actually settle it, and it did. And uh, about a day before, um, my two lawyers, my <clears throat> you know the main lawyer plus the litigation lawyer, said uh, passed a message through Babs would Dan wear a suit and tie for the for this session and oh. we did and I, I said i said of course i will of course i will you know uh-huh. you know and the reason was that they are they are veterans of this process and they were asking right. me to uh-huh. do that for a reason and i just said i'm not entirely sure what difference it makes but it makes a difference to them so i'm gonna i'm gonna do yeah. it yeah yeah yeah, that's interesting, and that's uh, that's good. I mean, it's always nice when you can add another uh, layer to something that's been so timeless. And that yeah. one is, it seems like when even back testing it, it was appropriate to in the very beginning of it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it fit right and, in, uh, you know. It, yeah, yeah. And what what I'm saying is, uh, uh, if you want to be seen as uniquely uh, different and uh, uniquely valuable, don't make it be about uh, things like wardrobe. Don't make it about things. Right. In other words, that, that's kind of a petty rebellion or it's a petty, you know, sticking your thumb in people's eyes. I said, uh, actually, actually just come up with a great new idea that everybody gets excited about. Differentiate yourself that way if you want the spotlight on you. Don't do it because you uh, you don't want to go along with some, you know, basically etiquette rule or, you know. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So there's just an appropriateness. And I notice a lot of people are rebels, but they're, they're small time rebels. They're, you know, they, you know, they're, they're not, they're low stakes rebel. They're, it's like, you know, being deliberately inappropriate uh, to mm-hmm. sort of show that you're different from other people. I said, it's going to be, you got to be different in this world. Make it about something really big. Yeah, right. That's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, I, I was just thinking that because even today, I asked certain people on workshop. I said, excuse me, uh, Jack. I'll just use a. Uh, not a real person, but I'll just use the name. I said, Jack, uh, are you, uh, I, I want to just be clear. Are you in the witness protection? Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
That is because true. He's on, in on the, Zoom. Because he's in the dark. He's in the dark. Yeah. And even when you can see a little bit of light, he's not looking at the screen. And he's a far, as far away from the camera as you can possibly be. <laughs> right. Or, yeah, or outside walking around or driving in the car or oh. putting the oh, yeah. camera upside down. Or yeah. There's so yeah. many things. I think you're right. Like yeah, and, and I get a feeling yeah. of it. It's it's kind of petulance. There's kind of a petulance mm. about it, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm going along with this, but I'm going to cooperate at very minimal level, you know. And yeah. I said, you know, well, you know, why don't you just do it a hundred percent and actually learn something? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but it's so all anyway. You know, that just, whole this whole like, some, your Zoom environment. If that's your window to the world right now you know your yeah. zoom environment is a lot of it well it can be well, i mean it certainly mm-hmm. can be yeah i mean it's clear to me that a lot of people and i would say that you and i are probably in a cutting edge minority yeah this about is interesting just, just about our total embrace and enthusiasm for this new medium Yes, I get it. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the words now that I'm seeing more and more, um, Dan, that are associated with our, uh, with Claudlandia, I'm seeing the rise in business publication, like Forbes. I just saw another article about the, this words, the creator economy, that that's what's sort of emerging as the shift mm-hmm. in power from the top down to you know these men in the ivory the was it ivory towers what would they or is that what the word was well up in the well the ivory yeah. towers are usually associated with academia or you know oh okay uh, yeah the philosophers philosopher you know the I got philosopher it. philosopher kings but actually it's uh, just big um big Power, (laughs) yeah, that's the thing, right? Like when you look at the creator, power pyramids, power pyramids. Mm -hmm. That's what they are. Well, you look at the creator, uh, the the creator economy past was all dictated by the six guys that ran the big music labels and the guys that ran the the TV. The the outlets were the the thing, and now that's completely shifted to in favor of the creator now where the the reach if we're overlaying our our vcr formula vision capabilities reach Mm -hmm. on top of the creator economy that reach is really the Mm -hmm. that's the the prize jewel yeah uh an author that i've been following uh, quite a bit of last year's named tim Wu, W-U, and he's a professor at Columbia University. And uh, uh, first of all, a very good writer and a very good presenter. I've seen YouTubes of him. Mm -hmm. And he he just talks about the information economy. And he's actually a key person right now in the government. Uh, He's uh, an advisor to the Council of Economic Advisors, to the president. And uh-huh. uh, he, he's the big thing that the uh, big tech mediums, uh, uh, <clears throat> he said, you know, uh, they only exist because the particular country that they're in gave them enormous amount of opportunity to experiment and expand. And after a while, they kind of think that they did it on their own. But, no, you know, it was basically there's just a great. Uh, you know, social environment, cultural environment, and political environment that actually gives them, you know, enormous amount of encouragement and enormous amount of freedom to create new things. But when at a certain point they turn around and says, now that we've created this, we're going to make sure that nobody else can compete with us. Mm -hmm. He said, then they're kind of misusing, you know, they're kind of misusing, uh, freedom and opportunity that uh, society provided for them. So there's a Uh remedy for this is that you just uh, dictate from now on, they'll be called common carriers, you know, and an example Mm. is the electric, we've talked about this before, the 
electric company or the and yes uh, you know a transportation service of any kind where you start um picking and choosing who can actually use your services based on whether you like their um you know you like their their philosophy or you like their political choices okay uh-huh. so an exact example would be one of the airlines you know american northwest Northwest Orient or, um, you know, United, who are more or less the big three in the United States, uh, they check the voting records of would-be passengers, and they deny certain people passage to get an airline ticket and fly where they want to because that that person voted for the wrong party in the last election, or Mm -hmm. the electric company decides that you won't get uh, power in your house because you voted wrong. Well, that's exactly what, uh, you know, that's exactly what uh, Facebook and Twitter and Google are doing. Google in a more Uh subtle way, but Twitter and uh, Twitter and Facebook, not in a subtle way, a very, you know, a very straightforward way. And and, uh, there's a feeling, a general feeling, okay, you, you've gone across the boundary here and it's no longer about, um, making things good for people with your product, you're now using your your market position to actually start dictating um, things that are way beyond your, you know, way, be, way, way beyond your, yeah. you're starting to dictate how the society is run because you don't like yeah. how certain people talk about things, you know? So, right. So, and it's very, and it's very, very interesting. Uh, you know, it's a bit like the Wild West. I mean, the you always get a creator economy when you're in kind of a Wild West state. Yes, I mean that's. Uh, I mean, the borders really have been open up, and everybody. Are. Yeah, and everybody can go out and claim new territory. You know, and if yeah. you can develop it, it's yours, and everything like. So we're in a new uh, we're, we're in a new state now with uh, greater and I I read the complete article that you sent and looked at the mm-hmm. you know and it kind of corresponds to lots of indicators in other words the uh, it was a pretty good sum up you know with some great diagrams of uh, summing up yeah, yeah I kind of I kind of feel that that's happening yes. Yeah, I agree. And you know, the, the interesting thing when you look at this, like compared to, I love your the illustration that you did when you're kind of explaining the the free zone frontier, the expansion from, you know, to the west across the United States, mm-hmm. how quickly that that kind of happened. But it was fixed. And you look at right now, all of the people, you know. If you take the uh, Southern California coast, that everybody migrated pretty quickly to realize this is some premium property here. Mm-hmm. We could get mm-hmm. this, but the fact is that that is limited in that there's only mm-hmm. so many miles of that coastline. Imagine if people mm-hmm. saw the value of that coastline, but it was infinite. That there's no, you know what I mean? There's no uh, limit to it. That's really where we are with uh, Atlantia, that there's nothing uh, stopping you. Yeah, the geography is continually created. It's not discovered. That's exactly it. In other words, there isn't a fixed territory there. Right. People are just finding out what the territory is, and they're making territorial claims, you know. And establishing ownership. Uh, it's a yeah. medium where, in fact, you can create entirely new geography. Yeah. And that's just, problematic to would-be monopolists because how can you monopolize on something that's infinitely creatable? <laughs> there's no scarcity on that. Yeah, it's really that. Yeah. The, um, I think it does come back down again that the the crown jewel, the thing that is the most valuable um, asset is attention. Yeah. And that's why the creators are really, it's becoming this, um, you know, race for the very best uh, 
creators that that create the most uh, that gather the most attention. Well, the other thing is that um, you can create your own geography and have a relationship with the you know the other players in that geography. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And and but you have to understand that millions of other people are doing it in a different way. You know they're doing yes. it creatively in their own way, and yes. you shouldn't think about oh I I've got to get all the territory under my command. In other mm-hmm. words, I'm not ha- I don't feel safe with my own territory unless I have everybody else's ter- yeah. territory, and that's a scarcity. I mean that's yeah, you know that's uh, two hundred thousand years of human history there, where the yeah. dominant reality in life from the moment you're born to your dead that everything scares. What is the let, let's, if you don't mind, um, I wonder. I'm just thinking. My mind's going to: is there anything? in our world right now, like in, in, in the migration to Cloudlandia or to this shift here is what is the true scarcity? Like what is the thing that actually has a, a physical scarcity element to it? And I was thinking specifically about attention that yeah, well, our, I think it's individual. I think it's individual intention that uh, mm-hmm. it's just the nature of how the human brain works, that you can only focus yeah. on one thing at a time. You can't focus yeah. on multiple things. Um, right. Uh, I can't. I can't think about ten things simultaneously. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, you, you, that's why I'm thinking about the uh, that. That's truly the linear um, thing. You. It's a binary. You either have someone's attention in this moment, right now. The the laser tip of that attention because there's peripheral attention that you can't argue that that's probably true that there are people who are, uh, you know, th- there's maybe things going on around you, which give people this illusion of multitasking, mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. always this, the laser tip of that attention is, the the thing that we're really looking for and it's always engaged in something and so imagine it like a a wheel uh you know circling around if there's 10 things around it it may feel like they're doing 10 things at once but it's really that laser tip Mm -hmm. is focused on one of those 10 things right now not all 10 and it's just switching quickly back and forth between them but as Mm -hmm. soon as that attention leaves the primary thing it goes on to the next and that's maybe why this um you know this this thing of of why facebook and these big platforms are so um you know continuously focused on never getting having people leave that uh that environment (laughs) Mm-hmm. But even that is limited, yeah. like, you know, the ad inventory of that, like right now, approximately mm-hmm. um, 20% of your, uh, it's not 20, it's every five, every five posts on Facebook is an ad. Mm-hmm. And so that's the limitation that if somebody's scrolling in one session for every six post they see, is an ad that's the so they want to make sure that people are there to um keep scrolling within facebook yeah and what, one of the things i saw a uh what that's worth to facebook i was talking to mark young and mark young is in advertising yeah. member of our free zone and he's just written a book about um kind of the um uh, uh neuropsychology of really uh, effective advertising. Oh, I didn't know you did that. That's great. And he's a doctorate. He's just got his doctor's degree in hypnosis, I think, Uh, from the University of Toronto, actually. He got it from the University of 
Uh, he, Mark lives in Detroit, so he yeah. made the trip. He had to make the trip periodically. It was mostly online. And uh, but he was saying that they've actually identified when uh, Facebook captures a new customer. In other words, the person you know signs up and everything of that. The value of that on a yearly basis is just automatically seventy five dollars. The seventy five dollars, and they've got two point eight billion. Mm-hmm. They've got mm-hmm. two point eight billion times seventy five dollars. So that kind of that's where they're. Market cap, I guess. I think you know their market. Uh, oh, that's cap. interesting. The overall value is that it's worth seventy-five dollars yeah. to them, and and uh, and I think that uh, um, they begrudge losing even one of those seventy-five dollars right <laughs> guaranteed guaranteed income. You know, they 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 want that forever. They want that seventy-five dollars yeah. forever. Forever and uh, God, I wonder what that uh, is I was for talking. Amazon. We were talking about uh, Steve Krein and I just did two great podcasts with Paul Abel, who's a oh, yeah. member of the Free Free Zone, and Paul yeah. uh, provides compliance information to through uh, uh, to employers. So these are people yeah. who who uh, you know employ people, and yeah. compliance is what the government. It requires that happen, you know, within your company in terms yeah. of your relationship with your employees. And in the United States, there's four levels. There's federal, that's one. Yeah. But the other one is the state that you're in, and number th- three is the county that you're in, and number four is the municipality that you're uh-huh. in. There, and uh, then there may be some, uh, yeah, well, that would cover the four because they're the regulating bodies and these are shifting and changing all the time and it becomes very very problematic um with um remote uh, remote workers because they may be in another state so even though that your company is in one location they may be in other and you have to satisfy the compliance issues of that individual where they are in addition to where you are so it becomes exponentially more difficult and paul um you know uh technologically has patented platforms that can sort this out um immediately Mm -hmm. and then the correct packages of information go both to the employer and to the employee you know and the simplest is uh you know a poster on a wall in a common you know in a common room where people can see so we have a uh, what, what we call a copy room in the company yeah. that, that can go and uh, use the copiers, uh, big copiers. Yeah. All on the walls there are um, in Toronto are posters from the federal government, from the provincial government, from the uh-huh. uh, from the county of York, which is Toronto, and then the. Uh-huh. Um, uh, GTA, uh, Greater Toronto, and they have all these uh, things. And uh, if an inspector of any one of those municipalities came, they could say, "Can we see your compliance? Uh, well, that you're, you know, you're doing your compliance. Are you up to date with your compliance?" Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but it was really, really interesting talking to Paul because he's literally created this. Uh, he, he, nobody could even understand what he's doing. He's been so good at creating free zone collaborations, mm-hmm. free zone collaborations in his space. Uh, and he said, uh, I said, are there, do you have competitors? He says, well, there's lots of people who create posters, you know, they make a lot of money on posters, but um, they, they're they real not imaginative and how you can get it out to people. And he says, most of them really haven't caught up with the sudden uh, remote learning, the, the remote learning situation or the remote working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did he, what did he do to adapt to that? Join strategic coach. Uh, no, I mean, in, it's 
Uh, no, no, tactically, he, I mean, is just, there? No, he was just one of his competitors before he joined. Joined coach. I, I see what the you whole mean. Yeah, notion yeah. is the whole notion that yeah. there's things like payroll companies who have yeah. customers who are fifty thousand employers, and they will gladly assist you in sending the right material on to their employers. So he just looked for yeah. everybody who is in the business yeah. uh, of creating value for the end user. And he just worked yeah. backwards and he says, there's all sorts of people there, uh, but none of his competitors would ever think about doing that. Yeah. Cause they're in the poster business. They're yeah. Right. Exactly. A, yeah. He said, yeah. I'm not in the, I'm not in the poster business. I'm in, Solving problem for employer business. Yeah. Keeping employers out of court, keeping them from being sued, keeping them from yes. you know, being suspended. He said, I'm not in the poster business. Posters are just one of the media that we use to actually pass on information. That's so smart. Yeah, he's yeah. a smart guy. I always enjoy uh, having my conversations with him. Well, he's similar to you because right at the end of our um Right at the end of our second episode, we did these, I think, on Monday or Tuesday of the past week. I said, Paul, you know, I've got a real feel what your unique ability is. You're one of the absolutely laziest people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and I and said, your ideal, yeah. I said, your, your big picture of yourself in the future is you sitting in a white chair next to the pool and automatically brain signals are going out for your head to who's who are uh, creating major transformations for yourself out in the marketplace. I love it. This you're not even vision. getting out of you're not you're not even getting out of your favorite chair. Mm. That's a vision I could get behind. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. And that's really I mean I'm just I can't tell you how excited I am about Cloudlandia, Dan. It's just got new, like, it's so exciting. It's like a whole new, uh, whole new territory, you know? <clears throat> well, it's very interesting. I'm going to give you a chance to really tell the history on Tuesday. So you have your free, uh, your free zone meeting on Tuesday. And, yes. uh, I've, I've got, um, uh, an exercise called starting stage three. Mm. So right now you're starting stage three. Yeah. Uh, and then the question comes up immediately, what are stage one and stage two? And I said, well, I guess you have the answers to that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I said, if this was the beginning of your stage three and you've got years before stage three, in my case, I have 77. Uh, I can go, what, how would you take the, you know, the time before stage three and divide it uh, in your mind between two stages? Yeah. You know, what mm -hmm. was the first stage and what years were the first stage? And, yeah. you know, what, what, what were the capabilities that allowed you to jump to a second stage? And then what was the second stage? <clears throat> And uh, I now know what are the mm -hmm. and now what are the capabilities that allow you to say, well, stage two is over and now we're ready to jump. And for me, it's the sudden um, emergence of Cloudlandia as a new yes. medium, I new agree. territory, actually, new territory. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, that mm -hmm. migration. Like I, I can clearly, I mean. For me, it was everything, you know, up to uh, 1997, 98, when it was, it was a shorter phase. Um, mm -hmm. But the beginning, you know, the transition from the Internet to, you know, uh, from the analog world to the Internet, I, that was really a catalyst for me. Um mm -hmm. You know, because I remember the, um, you know, the first like real thing to capitalize on the internet that I did was my uh, Stop Your Divorce book, you know, mm -hmm. and that little, you know, we've sold $5 million worth of that one 
book, $79 book. And that was 100% on the ability of being able to reach people through search engines on mm. the internet. And that, that was like a, uh, that was a, a big thing. But even that phase, the, the hate it, probably 80% of all of that happened in the first 10 years, you know, and now it's been uh, where the access to uh, the search um, volume is, has been regulated out of it. Let's say that that was in the beginning, there was only uh, pioneers out. uh, You can imagine the Midwest, uh, it's it's actually a really interesting thought to think about if you were taking this, they open up the territory, right? And the early adopters, you could go all the way to California uh, and claim whatever you want kind of thing, right? Uh, but then over that hundred years, the next hundred years, everything is uh, so many, all the good things are uh, populated, you know? you wouldn't be the wide open, uh, wide open territory that you have. So there was a kind of curve downwards as more and more bigger um, uh, companies started coming on well, and competing. Yeah, the, the, the actual year that they give is the end of the frontier is uh, 1895, the United States. And what that means that in the what are called the lower 48 states, um, mm-hmm. uh, they were in 1895. They were all surveyed and accounted for every acre of property from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Was yeah. surveyed and it was accounted for. It wasn't all states yet because in 1895 yeah. there were still a number of territories that had not been become states, but the territories were completely surveyed and uh and uh, uh it's very interesting that the US is probably um well first of all I think America you know as a culture and as an economy is really good at franchising uh, franchising mm-hmm. is very and I think the reason is is that if you look at the constitution you have the federal government, which is a, you know, it's got a complete governmental model with the uh, president and the two houses of Congress, and it's got the uh, Supreme Court. But each of the states is a, a smaller version of that. Okay. And there's only one state that doesn't have the two houses at the legislative thing, and that's Nebraska. They just have a single, they just have a single um, uh uh, they just have a single legislature. This is at the state level. I'm just talking about the state level. And, uh, you know, and, you know, Louisiana has some funny rules that come from their French and Spanish, uh, you know, the way they started as French and Spanish possessions. But for yeah. the most part, it's like 98%. Uh, there. It's, uh, what do they call that? It's fractal. It's fractal. The, uh, you know that the states are fractals of the, mm-hmm. and uh, and the uh, interesting thing about that is that's the co- the way the country was developed. I mean, the rush to west only began when the country became a country, um, mm-hmm. which you know, more or less the uh, the uh, constitution was 1787, 1788, and then mm-hmm. the first uh, government with Washington and the the Senate and the Congress and the Supreme Court that came into place um, in uh, in January well in the spring of uh, 1791 so that's the beginning and the right to go into the new territories and actually have uh, property doesn't start until the government uh, actually says, okay, now we can move into, you know, we can move into Ohio, we can move into Kentucky, we can move into other areas. And they would open up a territory and then there was a rush within the territory. Yeah. 
So you couldn't and say, so, you know, in 1790, you couldn't go to what now Nebraska and say, I'm just claiming the property of Nebraska. The, the rules didn't allow that. Wouldn't stand up. Wouldn't stand up in law. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, so, but so imagine people did. Imagine there were there wasn't there wasn't anybody. Uh, imagine there were people in Nebraska just there, but now the. Uh, yeah, having the claim to it. Yeah, this is really. I mean, and this is it where followed, yeah. it, it actually followed the river system. So, just you know, if you get a picture, you know, it just abstracts everything and just shows you the river systems of the United States. Uh, pretty well, all the development, um, <clears throat> you know, the land land development and everything really followed the river system and, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. the great lakes great lakes you know the gulf of mexico and, yeah. and so forward because uh water is such a easier way to travel uh, mm-hmm. even if you're going upstream it's easier traveling than carrying things uh over you know uh, mm-hmm. overland and uh you know they used to have uh they created barges where they'd have you know they'd have mules on the side that uh you know, with ropes and they'd pull, they'd go upstream. And, uh, yes. And, and, uh, so my, my sense is that they, uh, you know, shortcuts, everybody looks, uh, if there's one thing that the human species is good is, uh, creating shortcuts and then learning shortcuts from other people. If you want to sum up why we're better than all the mm. other species, it's because we're a shortcut. We're the shortcut species. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. And this is where, I mean, you know, the Cloudlandia is the home of the shortcut. I mean, that's really oh, Cloudlandia. That's what Cloudlandia so, is. Yeah, I mean, it's so if you whole... So if you, you have no need for short, shortcuts, you have no need right. for Cloudlandia. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I was looking at, uh, when I say... If we take 1996 as kind of the beginning of the internet, the very, very uh, modern beginning when people were getting, if you get an email address and uh, get online kind of thing, and then the web browsers were there and the protocol for having a page, a home page on the internet where other people could go and see your thing, that you know, from 1996 till 2006 uh, is everything was kind of, um, you know, migrating that online was a real, uh, a real thing, but it was still a place that we go. And in 2007, when the iPhone came out, it was, that was the beginning. I look at that as the, center point Mm -hmm. here of the Mm -hmm. tipping that now it became more and more crucial that you bring the internet with you. And then by 20, you know, 20, we were all in on, on that. And then Corona took, that was the like final catalyst of we were fully thrust into this uh, Cloudlandia as the main world, the main thing now. And it's unusual to have analog um, Mm -hmm. stuff. You know, it's unusual. Uh, So that, I look at this now, now that we're in, we're in those beginning stages. And and that once, I I said to somebody, the, the words that I've, think are the most uh, um, relevant right now or once people realize those are those that that you see that kind of statement happening now mm-hmm. like once once creators once <laughs> excuse me once um, creators realize that you don't have to go through a label and you can build your own uh, build your own audience and sell to them directly. Yeah. That, that, that whole thing, it's like everybody's starting to 
realize that you don't have to overlay the old models in Cloudlandia. They're completely new. It's like new, new, um, everything is mm-hmm. new. The grava, the gravitational pull, the, the, um, time you're, you're traveling between two points is all new. Mm-hmm. And here we are. As the well, the, the other thing is that the, the, you know, the, you know, as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, uh, the standard model that, uh, you know, prior to, let's say, <clears throat> uh, I think it, prior to 1996, but it's probably later than that. It's probably um, prior to um, 2010, maybe like that. So uh, the model was that um, you're in competition with everybody who's kind of related in your field, that you're, you're actually in competition with them. So the important thing for you to do is to really, really pay attention to what your competitors are doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And your your customers were almost like a statistic. They were like a you know, they were like an abstraction. Customers were an abstraction. And mm-hmm. that uh uh all the customers more or less were looking for the same thing. It's just which between you and your competitors who was going to satisfy the needs of the customers, okay? Mm-hmm. And therefore, the best way to do it is on price. The best way to compete is on price, lower price. And mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of funny. We had a new 10 times client um, on Thursday, I think it was. And he's originally from India. <clears throat> mm-hmm what's now called Mumbai, and he said, no, it's Bombay. <laughs> yeah. said, I refuse to use the new name. I, I'm from Bombay, but he lives in Oakville, in, um, in right, right outside Toronto. Uh-huh. And, he's got, a, and he, uh, he's got a company that produces a super insulation, uh, insulation clothing, outerwear uh, clothing for uh, winter, you know, for cold mm-hmm. climates. And yes. socks, he started off with socks and then he has gloves and he has hats. And now he's moving into undergarments like your T-shirts and also tights, you know, tights you could wear. Mm-hmm. And they, he said, I've got some, you know, we've just got some techniques that we integrated from three different areas. And that's giving us a super, super insulated wear, very lightweight and uh moving into different colors and designs and everything like that. But he said, when we came here, he said, I'd never been in this business before, but when we came here, we did a quick price survey of what people are charging for these. And uh, he said that the rule was don't go over $10, just starting with the socks. Don't go over $10 with the socks. The price competition mm. is in the 8 $9 range. And so yeah. he said, why don't we just start out at 15? Right. And he just swept up the market. But it was like he I just completely differentiated himself in the market. Yeah. And he said, and, and what it did, he said, it just gave us all that extra capital to move quickly and then to, you know, start adding other. You know what's so great? Other- that was that model. Um, that's exactly the model I used with uh, money making websites. When I first started. Oh, by the way, his uh, just for those listening, his uh brand is called Heat Holders. So if you just go to Google, Heat Holders. I love it. Great, great guy, and I'm going to get some, and I'm even thinking about them for packages and presents for people. Because yeah, right. uh, Yeah, I mean, unless you live in someplace like thing. uh, I mean, even on a even on a cool day. Uh, Dean and celebration, you might, you know, you might. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I love it. That whole, um, that's a a category, uh, you know, we take from uh, Stella Artois, their whole reassuringly expensive. That's their pricing model. Yes. We use only the the most expensive ingredients and pass the cost down to you. That's exactly right. And in the in the world of 
the difference between an eight dollar sock and a fifteen dollar sock. You know, it's got to be so better. Funny. Fif- I mean, the fifteen dollars. It's just got to be better just by the boldness of the maker. But there's so much. Um, there's so many examples of this approach that validate it. You know, like I look at um, uh, Richard Mill, the watches. Mm-hmm. Uh, they yep. were in in at the Hamilton <laughs> Hotel in the um, lower. They're, they're uh, over. The, they're over in the new. Uh, the yeah, they moved above. Across the street. Yeah, they, so they've got their yeah. flagship, but for uh, they had a store, uh, a retail store in the uh, on the ground floor at the yep. Hazelton. Yep. Yeah, and when it. you go in there, there's not a single watch in there under one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and their average is one hundred and eighty-five thousand. And the I heard an interview with the with the guy, and he you know came into this kind of he started it at fifty-two, uh, but he'd been in the watch business in in the fashion uh, and watch uh, business for his whole life, but he wanted to start something himself and he wanted mm-hmm. to build the very best watch. And his approach was he got the, you know, he wanted to have the, both the intricacy and the complication of the finest Swiss movements, but he wanted them to also be durable and uh, to the finest engineering standards, right? So they could withhold, they're not delicate, fragile flowers like a lot of these complication watches are, right? And he said, our approach was to, I'm going to build the very best watch first and then figure out what that needs to cost after. Yes. <laughs> it's just, it's just, we're going to do the very best <clears throat> thing first and then We'll price it appropriately. And what he found was that they ended up alone in the market. Oh, yeah. There's lots of there's lots of thirty, fifty, seventy thousand dollar watches, and there are million dollar watches, but there's not a lot of hundred and eighty five thousand dollar watches. And when you think about it, the size of that market, they sold whatever $540 million worth of them would take 3,400 yeah. of them or something, uh, yeah. $540 million worth a year annual sales. And it's because what else, you know, if a guy, what other watch is a guy on his $20 million yacht going to be wearing? Of course, he's got yeah, $185,000 yeah. watch, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, in the car, uh, you know, the car business, Lamborghini yeah. kind of operates that way, and McLaren yeah. in the and McLaren in England, uh, yeah. the, it's a company, and uh, so they will announce, uh, you know, a year or two ahead how many they're going to build. Let's say it's to the, you know, it's yeah. where we are right now, and they're talking about the uh, year after next, two thousand and three. And yeah. they say, uh, in 2003, we are going to build 300 cars. And mm-hmm. uh, six months before that happens, they're all sold out at whatever price yes. they want to charge for, uh, charge for it. Okay. Yes. So there's ways of creating scarcity. Because my yes. feeling is that uh, uh, price determines, I mean, uh, scarcity is the great uh, uh, price ma- multiplier. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, the there's two logics to it. I'll be one of the people who who has this, but at the same time, there's a lot of people who think they're a big deal who won't have one of these. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I call it the higher club. I've got a concept called the higher club, and I remember okay. in oh it. 0809 our sales team because we were you know we were getting badly hit at the lower level in our um, in our uh, sell- selling during the 0809 downturn mm-hmm. you know people were just too close to the line you know they uh, they had to decide between whether their child went to 
uh, special school or they were in coach and they settled for the children, which I think was a good choice. Mm -hmm. And our salespeople came and it was kind of like a committee. They came and they said, somebody uh, needs to tell uh, Dan. Would would we disc? Would we disc? Would we? I know we've never discounted, but would we think about discounting? I said, Nah, nah. I don't think. Uh, I don't think we'd go discounting. But I said, I think we could double. As a, what if I think we could take the price rate. Could take the price rate now. And you should have seen the looks on their face. And it turns out it was a wide open market for doubling. There was no market yeah. for discounting, but there was a uh, unlimited you know market. Funny. So that's it's. It's the same example that you just gave, just in a different realm. I think I've had to have been customer number single digit of the first ones in on. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Because it started first, right I mean, at uh, it started right at the time I um, gave the presentation at uh, Evan Pagan's um, yeah green room. Is it called the green room? Yeah, I forget what it is. What do you call yeah. that? The Fountain Blue right. in Fountain Blue in Miami Beach. Do you remember what I said to you when you walked right by me out the way out? <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> that was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. That was well, it. Yeah, I'm in. It's it's uh, it's a, a, a uh, it's a two, it's a two word shortening of three words. <laughs> yeah. I'm, but that's I'm the, you know, out. there's the thing. So I, I'll claim, you know, I was going to certainly be, uh, if not the, with the logistics of uh, filling out the paperwork, emotionally and commitment-wise, I was probably number one or two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is great. And I feel good about that. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, but that. You know, there's, there's, that's another great example of it, Dan. That that's something, and you you have discovered then that that opened up a whole other world of people who would now, once they see who's coming into that group, and more importantly, who's not coming into that group, that that was a uh, cue that it's okay to. Uh, Come well, here's in. another uh, another uh, thing. Um, so the world is out now, and you know there's a year and a half to go. Uh, then uh, after December 31st of 2022, uh, I won't be coaching ten times workshops anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, and uh, <clears throat> and I'll be devoted entirely to expanding the free zone and yeah. uh so this this year so far uh we've had over a hundred bump ups from the signature program to the ten times okay just to get one to get a year in with you kind of to get right? a year and a half to get a year and a mm-hmm. half it's something that's gonna not it's not only gonna become scarce it's gonna disappear <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yeah yeah. So, wow. you know, I mean, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's not a game for everybody, uh, you know, and you have to understand that, that any business model, you have to check if the person, uh, you know, first of all, has the nervous system for it. And the other thing is, do they have the ambition for it? You know, do they have an ambition that, uh, this is, this is not a, uh, you know, this is just an intermediate strategy. It's not the big, it's not the, the end. You're not, you're not defining the end game this way. In fact, there is no end game there. There's just right. one level at a time and then there's a higher level, you know, and, yes. and you gotta be, I mean, that's gotta be permanent in your brain. It's not some marketplace trick that you're pulling off. It just kind of tells yeah. you that, that yeah, it's simply a logical um, it's a logical next step just because of the endless game that you're kind of playing. Yeah. Boy, this is uh, uh this has been a great conversation because this, I like this, um, you know, I, when you were talking about the socks there, that, that just was <laughs> another, 
No, but I mean that that little vein of seeing now. I, I started to tell you that that was my approach with with money making oh, yeah. websites. Like uh, I know I had the uh, at a time when real estate websites were, you know, three or four hundred dollars and you know twenty nine dollars a month kind of thing. What people that was the market for real estate websites, and I came out with twenty five hundred dollars. And $99 a month, it was a uh, departure from what was normal in the thing, but it was baked right in, you know, the name of the, the name of the company was money making websites. So it was like the promise was there (laughs) that it was was why you pay (laughs) more because it's right in there. And because it makes money to our uh, website makes money. And thanks to our, our uh, Cyrus McCormick, oh, yeah. the, uh, that was the whole, where Project Cyrus came in that, you know, I, you're only going to pay when it pays for itself. It literally pays for itself. So, Well, the other thing with Cyrus McCormick, uh, you know, you have to understand he was playing the, in addition to, you know, his own expertise in what he did, you know, mechanically, and he was able to create a great solution. But he also had, he was plugged into the big picture of what was happening to the country that he was living in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, five years from now, they're going to open another territory and wheat is going to be, you know, wheat's going to, and this is all flat wheat country. You know, I mean, he's, you know, this is kind of unlimited country until you get to the Rocky Mountains. And so, my sense is that he had a long vision of the yes. bigger game, you know, the bigger game that he was playing. Yes. It's amazing, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not really, yeah, that I think was the, really. I, I, yeah, I think the, the interesting thing that we're talking about here is uh, I think that the, uh, the connection between scarcity and price never goes away. But I think that when you move mm-hmm. from the mainland, to Quadlandia takes on a different form. Yeah. Because it's not actual scarcity of a something. It's it's actually a uh, a measure of scarcity in the actual mind of certain customers and clients. In other words, that you're now operating in the territory of the mindset of certain individuals that you're appealing to, um, you know, it's, uh, it's gone to another level and, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, the people in our, you know, in strategic coach, you have it, the same thing in the, in Bre- breakthrough blueprint, uh, who after at each year he said, you know, uh, are we going to get anything new next year? You know, and I said, well, how was this year? Oh, it was great year. I really loved what you got. And I said, how long have you been in the program? And they said, uh, eight years. And I said, and every year at the end of the year, you ask me if there's going to be anything new. And <laughs> so that's one. So that's one mindset. That's one mindset. And the other people, yeah. uh, you know, you ask them, you know, what's been the total cost of your involvement? You've been in strategic coach for 20 years. What's the cost? He says, no cost. There's absolutely no cost. Uh-huh. It's all been plus. It's all been plus. Well, right. uh, in a certain sense, they're kind of involving themselves in the activity, but I can tell you they're having a totally different experience. Yes, that's true. Yeah, so much of the... Uh, yeah, it's. Um, I think we've moved much more into a psychological realm. I agree. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty, um, it's amazing how you can shift the psychology with even just Mm -hmm. with, with a price choice (laughs) that the price choice shifts somebody into another psychology, uh, another. Yeah. I'll give you a quick, uh, political insight, you know, not, I'm not uh, saying, but I just think that what we, you know, this is an act of genius. So everybody's wondering, you know, will Trump run again in 2024? And, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I, so over the last three or four days, I've been talking to people because I had workshops 
And they said, well, he announced it. And they said, yeah. he did. When did he announce it? He said, on Tuesday. On Tuesday. I didn't see anything about him announcing I said, no, no. He launched a class action suit against uh, Facebook and Twitter. Ah, and right. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, he That's just announced funny. that he's running for president in 2024. Right. And it's like, and he did it in a pure worldwide wrestling <laughs> yes. manner. I'm taking yeah. on, but I'm taking on the biggest villains of the universe. You know, well, <laughs> if, this is if great, you want but to I mean, going to be, this is like, this is the, I mean, it's a, um, you know, we're going to look back on, on, uh, you know, Facebook versus the Trump. Like we're going to look at, yeah. uh, Roe v. Wade, you know, and the, the big moments in, you know, creator uh, expression rights or whatever, uh, how that's yeah. going to go, because you're absolutely right. They really inadvertently, they put themselves in a position that if they're going to defend against that, they've put themselves in a position of being a publisher and not a uh, platform, you know, not a platform. And no, yeah, you, you got to, so then they've got to, they've got to, Mm-hmm. They've got to be uh, fully accountable to everything mm-hmm. that being a publisher means. Platform, yeah, or being a platform, but you can't yeah. be both. Yeah, yeah right. you can't be both. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's just really interesting because when the you know the what you know a lot of people were horrified by was the you know the you know the sort of riot that they had in Washington on January 6th yeah. and uh and the moment it happened i said uh you know it doesn't matter how this happens he's just tied up the loyalty of the republican party for the you know for the foreseeable future uh mm-hmm. and uh and it wasn't he he, he knew he wasn't going to win you know the you know the uh-huh. You know, there's rules in the Constitution that kind of tell you, and there's no way, you know, that uh, there's going to be an, a misuse of the rules. To, you know, we're clear. You know, I mean, the numbers were on the other side. You know, Biden, yeah. Biden won. But what he wanted to do was to show that he fight, he never gives up, and he fights to the very last minute, even if it showers shame on him by the, you know, the and uh, what he's done, and then. There was an impeachment, and all the Republicans who hate Trump voted for the impeachment. So he just got rid of all the Republicans who aren't going to be part of the the game. And he just has the ability. And I think it's, you know, he owned uh, Worldwide Wrestling for five or six years, part of it, with Vince McMahon. He was a partner with Vince McMahon. And I think that he understands that... uh, Worldwide wrestling is really, really interesting because it's not really a sport. Uh, it's not really a sport. You know, it's not an athletic contest. It's theater, you know, and it's good guys uh, versus bad guys theater. And I think that what uh, Trump has understood that uh, pol- uh, politics is not really a sport either. It's theater. Yes. And it's entertainment. It's an entertainment mm-hmm. form. Politics is an entertainment form. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, it's very, very complicated if you try to understand it as some sort of process. But if you understand it as theater, it gets really simple. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. We were just in, uh, at the Four Seasons in Palm Beach, uh, <laughs> last week, which is right down the street from uh, Mar Lago, so we got to <laughs> yeah drive by there and yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was so funny because he bought Mar Mar Lago, you know, long before he became president. And yeah. what he noticed, he he didn't realize that when he moved in, that uh, private planes could fly right over Mar Lago. Oh wow! So he went. So he went to the uh, officials and 
uh, and he says, I'd like to get uh, a right of no flyover on my property. And I said, what are you talking about? You know, it's uh, it's private property. You don't, nobody gets rights to no, you know, no, no overflight as a private citizen. And he says, nobody? Uh-huh. He said, well, you can become the, if you're president of the United States. Ah! If you become... <laughs> So That's Conrad Black cool. and Conrad Black, you know, Conrad Black, who really yeah. likes Trump, because uh, when Conrad Black was in prison in the United States for whatever, you know, dodgy dealings or purported dodgy dealings, he only had one prominent visitor who came to see him, and it was Donald Trump. And Donald wow. Trump came and visited him in prison, so mm. <laughs> kind of tied up Conrad Black's loyalty for life, you know. And he yeah, said, right. I, he said, I bet the, uh, you know, the uh, people in Palm Beach who hate Trump and they have influence, you know, they're, you know, they're in the city council or whatever, that they, they, they should have just pass a separate rule where this one guy gets overflight if he promises not to become president of the United States. Right, right, right. That's so funny. <laughs> That's funny, so, funny. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but I think that uh, these sharp um, differentiations that we've been talking about with Price, with Richard Mill, and everything, I think think this is a uh, this is a major theme in Cloudlandia. Uh huh. I think you're right. Because it's kind of binary, you know, the, it's the binary code that powers yeah. this whole thing, the microchip. And uh, uh, there's nothing between one and zero. <laughs> That's right. It either is or is. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the truth. Yeah, there's no middle ground. You can't make money on the middle ground. <laughs> yes. I think that's true. Yeah. I just look yeah. at I mean, it's yeah. funny to put those socks. For me, it was the... That was the tipping point of just the cascading evidence all the way. Because I talk about often there was a diet pill called Lectoprin that was running ads on TV for years. And it was the, you know, when is a diet pill worth $153 a bottle? And that was, you know, in a time (laughs) when diet pills were selling for $29. Thirty-nine dollars in the uh, you know impulse aisle in in yeah. grocery stores and things, and these that guys is. come out with TV ads with a pharmaceutical approach that looks like yeah. pharmaceutical packaging with a doctor-looking person saying aimed at people who even everything they did was you know if you're one of these casual dieters who needs to lose five or 10 vanity pounds, leptoprin's not for you. This is for the serious dieter. If you need to lose yep. 30, 40, 50 pounds, you need leptoprin. <laughs> you know, and that, I mean, it's just so, and so everybody lining up, you know, well, I'll stop taking it if I get too skinny, you know, it's just so, uh, and $153. That's a good I mean, headline. Headline, war, warning, uh, <clears throat> you have to stop do, taking, you have to stop buying this if you get too skinny. <laughs> exactly. You have to pledge. You have to sign our pledge that you'll stop taking it when you get too skinny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, funny, man. Anyway, very enjoyable. And I'll see I love you it. tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow, and we have a party tomorrow night, a virtual party, and then possibly, uh, and you'll be there, but then uh, on Tuesday, and all great new stuff. I have uh, five, six brand new thinking processes for the two days. That's great. I got my package, so I need to go through today and take a look. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, All right. Always enjoyable, Dan. Have a great day. Okay. Thanks, Dean. Okay. Bye.